good morning, everybody. This is episode two of Pathological Hustler. Uh, this is the platform for doers, uh, platform for the motivated. Today, I got a special guest, Angela Vidal. Uh, Angela, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I thank you for coming on today and uh, speaking with us. Now, for y'all that that don't live here in Houston, Angela is a, a big-time real estate mogul here in, in Houston. Uh, you can find her on Instagram at HTX uh, Business Boss, right now? Yes. Business Boss, HTX right? HTX Business Boss. See, I'm good with memory. I'm good with memory. <laughs> and that's what kind of, like, brought me to your page. Uh-huh. Uh, I was like, the you name? know, Houston Business Boss. I was like, what exactly does Angela do? And uh, just getting to know you through um, through other businesses and stuff that I've started, uh, Covert Cleaning Solutions or whatnot, um, I think that your story is so unique. Like, you know, I know a lot of people who do real estate for a living, but what you do is so unique. Like I couldn't even, I couldn't even talk about it. I had to like better get you to explain it. Cause it, it is, it, it does have a certain niche to it. So what actually do you do? So actually the name, uh, business boss, or in my opinion, originally stems more from, in my opinion, I think being a boss is putting people on. Yeah. Okay. It's not necessarily okay. like a title or like, you know, you telling people what to do. In my opinion, I think being a boss is, you know, what have you done for other people? What can you teach other people and what opportunities can you put in front of other people? So, um, that's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, and, uh, it, kind of, you know, rolls into how I got into real estate in the first place. So when Harvey hit, it was something that was uh, very emotional to me. I, you know, thankfully my house was okay and, yeah. you know, we didn't flood at all. Um, but I was, you know, out there helping and seeing a couple different things. And it affected me in the sense that I knew that I, in one way or another, like had to be a part of this recovery. And, you know, I was like reading a lot about it. And I knew that at that time there was going to be a shift in the economy. Right. I knew that there was going to be a lot of money being poured into the city. And, um, I, at the current time, I was a finance manager at Southwest Infinity, and I'm just, you know, at that time reading and watching, you know, videos about wholesaling. And it, Harvey happened coincidentally while I was already, you know, looking at other avenues for me to be able to make income or actually completely just, you know, switch over to. So then Harvey happens, and um, it was just that time. It was that opportunity. I found myself putting all the pieces together, and then I finally had the courage to take the leap and get started in real estate. And um, you know, it was it was it, it was it's been a great experience. Like I originally got into it thinking that I was going to be strictly wholesaling, and um, I was able to meet some people and you know kind of get going on that. But then I met a hedge fund manager. And um, in that very first conversation, I didn't even quite fully understand exactly everything that he was saying. I just knew that he needed homes, that he was here, you know, to spend millions in order to be able um, to build the portfolio that they needed to build for their fund. And I was very honest at the time. I said, look, I've only been in this business a few months, but this is what I know. And these are the connections that I've been able to make. And this is what I can do. And he's like, okay, great. Well, if you have access to off sale, you know, off market homes, go ahead and just send them to me. And the next day I sent him five homes and he bought two out of the five. Now let's, let's go ahead and rewind a little bit uh, back. Uh, I remember when we did the phone screening, I talked to you about what you were doing before uh, you were doing finance before you got into real estate. Now, what I thought was like, so amazing about that story 
you know, you're making 200K just doing finance. Yes, I sold cars first and then I was promoted to be finance manager and being finance manager, um, it really taught me a lot about how businesses work on the back end. Yeah. It opened up my eyes to, you know, not just when I'm in sales, I'm concerned with my number of sales and what my paycheck looks like. But now it exposed me to how a dealership works and how it runs and, you know, how important the finance side of it is to the entire operation. Okay. Um, what I still think is like mind blowing. Right. And you just have to walk me through the process. Like I know anytime we want to do something that's like goes against the grain or step into a new uh, field of what we've been doing already. Like, I know you probably had like naysayers like, girl, you make 200 K already. Why are you leaving your good job to go do real estate? You know what I'm saying? You sound like you have something concrete. Now, how did you take that leap of faith? Like, you know, you, you going from, from, something that's been guaranteed up to you to this point to trying to venture out on your own and do something more. Like how does that, that whole work? Like so who's in your corner? Time, time is always of the essence, right? So it, the way that just, I coincidentally was already on my breaks, like learning about wholesale while yeah. I'm like prepping a file for finance, everything that happened during that period of time, it was just crazy how it just put me in a position that I was, it was easy to be able to make that transition. And it was, it was like, it was never clearer because I knew that what I was going to be getting into is something that was going to blow up just kind of like, even when I got, you know, into car sales, like right after the tsunami, I, you know, and I worked only at infinity. I'm not one of these like jump around, like when I work somewhere, I typically stick with them for a long time because um, I think that it's easy for the people that I work with to see that I'm an asset, right? Yeah. And so um, at that time there was there was a vehicle coming out. It was, a, it was called the JX35, now it's called the QX60. It's literally a small SUV car. And at that time I knew that it only had one competitor, which was the MDX. When that car came out, that car was a big, part of my success in the car business because selling that car was just so easy. Like all the moms, all the soccer moms came and they wanted one. And so that goes back to saying like, I've had, you know, I've been very strategic about the moves. And when Harvey happened and I was already into the business and I've already made money enough to be financially stable, then everything just kind of played itself out and made it where I knew that that was what I was meant to do at that time. Okay. So you, you first got your feet in real estate. You were doing wholesales. Wholesaling. Uh, yeah. I actually, um, started, I learned about the business, um, by, uh, somebody in the business that had a, a, a whole, um, we buy ugly houses. That's okay. The, I always see those signs on the side yeah, of the road that's and I always the, wonder, like, that's how the original way that I got into the business. But then, you know, um, with meeting the hedge fund and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you meet someone and, and they tell you, Hey, I have X amount of money and I need to spend it. Yeah. And this is not my city. Like we're from Vegas, but this money needs to be, you know, spent here by the actual, you know, uh, fund owners, which it's actually Japanese money. Japanese money is very big in Texas right now. Yeah. Um, Japanese money is building that bullet that's coming from Dallas to Houston. And so, Oh, the hour train is yes. like an hour train. So. Yes, yes, okay. yes. And so, um, when you have those kind of opportunities that are presented to you, you know, you kind of have to ask yourself, am I going to stop right now to build my own wholesale business? And if I, if these people are asking me to provide, you know, three to five houses a week, or 
is it more strategic to align myself with some of the top wholesalers in the business and be able to get some of the best deals out there? And that's that's what I did. That was that was that was the pivotal point of my life where I had to make a decision if I wanted to, you know, stick to my wholesale plan or if at that point I wanted to work with the people with the money. And I feel like <laughs> I, you know, everything in life happens for a reason. Most and being able it. to move at the at the pace that we were able to move, because I already had the financial backing, um, just being able to provide the homes for them and see how quickly we got, um, you know, they had their construction teams. I was able to put construction teams that taught me and was able to fulfill the side of me of I love helping people and I love putting people on. So this was not only an opportunity for me that allowed me to be able to be successful just for myself, but there was a lot of people that I put on that were able to make a lot of money, um, including the wholesalers that I was working with, even until this day there, you know, they know me, they know that I'm good for my word. And um, they know that uh, they think the fact that I was able to buy, you know, so much from them at a point where their wholesale businesses were just kicking off. And then now, you know, it, it's, it's great, but people always remember like who supported you in the beginning, right? Yeah, most definitely, you know what I'm saying? You always remember your day one supporters. Uh, when we did the phone screening, uh, I thought it was like so cool how you talked about like, so a lot of people who don't know, uh, Angela works with a uh, hedge fund. So there's basically a, a group of investors with a large amount of money. They have a portfolio of uh, vast numbers of, you know, real estate properties. And you kind of, if I'm not mistaken, you kind of figure out exit strategies for them or liquidate their, their assets. That's what I'm currently doing. Okay. That's what I'm currently doing. So right now we're getting the properties. So three years later, um, so when I met them, I built the portfolio. It took me about 18 months, almost two years to build the whole portfolio. And um, at that time, the majority of the, some of the properties were flipped. Some of them had a different exit strategy than others, but um, most of them were rented out. Yeah. And I think maybe that's where you might've been headed in the fact that originally I was not a licensed agent because when I first got into this business, I got in on the wholesale side and on the wholesale side, you don't have to be licensed, right? You don't? You do not have to be licensed. It is good, in my opinion, to be licensed. The way that I think about things now is a little bit different. I believe that transparency in this business is everything. And you can wholesale a property through a business entity of yours as long as you disclose that you are an agent. And so, in my opinion, back then, it was like kind of looked down upon if you did have a license only because you don't... Um, it's not regulated and it's not that there are people that are going to do things that are going to make people look bad. But for the most part, you don't want to be in a situation where the homeowner may be a little bit emotional because they're they're selling their home and they need the money out of it. But at the same time, they're trying to maximize. And so sometimes wholesalers are not licensed because they just don't want the um, regulation behind it. But if you're an ethical wholesaler, then, you know, being licensed shouldn't be a problem because you're going to conduct business in the right manner every which way. So so way. walk me through this process because I always see like these people have these we buy ugly home signs on the side of the yard with their little number on there. And I'm like, how are people actually making money? Like, like just posting these signs, like. So, so what those are they signs doing? are actually uh, marketing signs. They're called bandit signs. And it's like a very old school way of how people get started in the business. Um, and ultimately what wholesaling really is, is that you find a home that the owner, for whatever reason, needs cash ASAP. Um, most of the time what happens is that people have 
equity in their home. So they've lived there for a long time and they have equity in there that they may want to pull out, but their house may not be passing inspection and they don't have the money to bring the house to par so it can pass inspection. And the only way that you can sell a home through someone that's getting a loan from a bank is that your house has to pass inspection. inspection. So you're kind of put in a bind because you don't have the money, you don't have the credit, And the only thing that you have is somebody that can come rescue you with cash. And that's where wholesalers come in. So a wholesaler will come in and put your house under prop under contract. Some wholesalers may close on it on themselves. And, but most wholesalers have a group of investors that they work with. So they just put the house under contract, give it an option period. And during the option period, they sell that contract to an investor. And then the investor comes in and close out, closes on the property. And then you get your money and it kind of, A lot of people look at wholesaling like a bad thing. Um, there's a lot of stigmatism with gentrification and stuff like that. But yeah. until you have your feet on the ground and you can see these people's faces when you're able to get their 50, 60, $80, $100,000 worth of money when they're in a situation right now where groceries like, is tough. I don't know what I'm going to do. I look at it differently. I think if you're a wholesaler that um, does business ethically, you're not going to come take, you're literally not going to come take someone's grandma's house i mean every now and then there is a less knowledgeable elderly but you know to me then that's that's kind of on the person like you even those people want have already been on the internet they know what their house would sell for if it's like up to par you know most people with the internet nowadays are they're pretty generally educated and you're really not going to come steal something you kind of have to show them that you have a formula like you have to buy their house at this this number in order to be able to invest in putting those repairs and take the risk to be able to sell it. And when you break it down like that to a homeowner, they get it. They're like, you're going to take the risk because I'm not taking the risk. I'm just pulling my equity and walking out. I just got to give it to you at a lower amount to make it make sense. And then, then it's no longer an emotional thing. Like you don't ever want to offend a homeowner. Thanks. You know what you just said right now, I think it's like so crazy to me because there's so There's so many avenues and angles to real estate that I don't even think people knew that you could just make money, get into like wholesaling houses, doing what you do is working with like uh, equity funds. You know, I, you know, some of this stuff still baffles me. Um, and I feel like in this day and age, we live in a time where it's, it's probably the easiest it's ever been to be a millionaire just because the knowledge is so, so given to us, you know, everything is a click away. Of course, you know, you're not going to get the whole game from just anybody, but we have more access to information than we've ever had in, in, in this era ever, you know? So Absolutely. I think that's, that's crazy. Um, speaking th- on that, are there any other ways of making passive income that you think are like booming right now that people are just now starting to get woke about? Absolutely. Um, I'm actually going through a transition with that myself. Um, Back in 2015, I was introduced to Bitcoin by one of my one of my girlfriends. And, yeah. um, you know, I I have uh, I'm a very open minded person. Yeah. So when when Bitcoin was introduced to me, I was like, I totally get this. And then, you know, I learned that other coins, you know, are in the are we're already out. We're in the process. And um, I was able to pick up some Bitcoin back in 2015. It was <laughs> We'll never see those numbers again. I yeah, mean, it, we're never. talking about like, you know, I'm, I was I was under twelve hundred dollars per Bitcoin back then. And I also grabbed up a bunch of um, GTBC stock, which is backed up by Bitcoin. GTBC? Right? What, GTBC? what is the current stock price of that at right now? You know? I, I haven't 
No, I haven't checked it as of okay. this morning. But what where I'm going with that is that, you know, at the time I was I was still at the dealership and, you know, I'm sitting there doing it and I'm trying to talk to people about it. And everybody had their own opinion. Yeah. Everybody's like, you're crazy. You should be doing this like you should be buying like gold or silver. And granted, the, the person that said gold was right as well. But um, we'll fast forward to that a little okay. a little later. So, um you know, I got my hands on that. I did liquidate my Bitcoin, um, you know, somewhere I got somewhere in the area of like 8,000 at one point. And I yeah. was like, it's not going to go past It's not going to keep going. No, yeah, no, no. That's a scary ride. So I did, you know, I do regret that. But however, um, you know, I kept my stock and um, that was, that's been, you know, a great, a great thing. I, I had to, um, there at one point, you know, had Bitcoin had went up to like 19 um thousand and then it had came back down and like everybody was like wow like you know kind of like lost faith in it but i still hung in there and i was able to do like you know what i call risk management that is basically you know you want to take out some of your profits yeah you want to take out some of your profits so you can lose the emotional connection that comes with you know buying um stock or cryptocurrency or forex or anything like that you need to you need to one of the most important things that, you know, I've learned and that I'm learning now is that um, your emotions, they it doesn't really mean anything. No, nah, you, you have to be totally emotionless if you're yes. becoming a, a trader. You have to understand that you're entering something that is a, is very risky. And um, I think part, you know, the, the way to kind of ease that fear is by, you know, pulling out some of your gains. Like, that way you compensate yourself. And then the moment that you break even, you really have to lose connection with the rest of it because you've already pulled out what you put in there to begin with. So now you have to understand that you're just blessed because you still have some money and that money's making money and so on and so forth. You know, uh, so I have a group chat. I got one group chat for stocks and one group chat for cryptocurrency. Uh, the guy that kind of leads our, our, our crypto uh, group chat, his name is uh, Kwame Stouffer. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. It's Crypto Kwame. Shout out to that guy. Um, so he was one of those guys that held on to Bitcoin when it was three dollars, right? Wow. He he bought Bitcoin. When he bought. I believe he told me he bought three hundred dollars of Bitcoin when it was at three dollars, and he held it for five years. Now it got to a point where uh, Bitcoin had got to sixty k. I don't know if he liquidated yeah. some of his stuff now, but he was just showing with us through the group chat that he was like every time it goes up a thousand dollars, he was showing I made four hundred k. And I was like, you don't understand the diamond hands you have to have to like, I couldn't even fathom like buying something at $3, it being worth $8,000 and me not getting rid of it. You know, so a lot of these investments, like you never really can foresee the future of them. You just kind of just have to trust the process and just, if you believe in something, you know, just hold on to it. There's people that have been, um, so you can, you can, you can do this long-term and buy something that you feel is going to have a long-term value. Um, and in my honest opinion, you know, with Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin serves a great value, will continue to serve a great value. But I also believe that there are coins that are trailing behind Bitcoin that are going to make more logical sense, more financial sense. They're going to be processed faster. They're going to be using, you know, less um, gas, less power to make. And I think that Bitcoin needs to really watch out for that. So I, I feel like Bitcoin will rise again and, and Bitcoin will always have the value and it's in the fact that it's something that you can actually exchange for now. But, you know, as I'm sure you've seen and, you know, like Ethereum is is rising yeah, right, right above it. it. Yeah. And so 
I also look at cryptocurrency as like one of those things where, okay, let's say that you did buy into Bitcoin right now. Okay. Let's say that it does hit 60 something thousand, or let's say it goes even up to 70,000. You really just doubled your money, right? Which is good, but there are currencies and there are, you know, there's coins, there's currencies, and there's my personal favorite right now, which is gold, that you can multiply your money, you know, on a daily basis. And I have just very recently been able to be awakened into, into this and see it um, by a couple different people that I follow that are people that I consider um, very knowledgeable when it comes to real estate. Um, the things that I think that are the future are, is like e-commerce, you know, Forex, crypto. Um, and so with that being said, I feel like it's, it's, it's very important that people not only understand the power of Bitcoin and what Bitcoin has actually done, you know, to currency, but it's also important that you keep an eye out for coins that are going to be getting the value or opportunities. Like even if it is a meme coin, I mean, some people may not want to do it based off of just like integrity or like, I think the biggest emotional. thing with coins like that, a lot of people are like, they're asking that question, like, what is backing it? Like, you know what I'm saying? I think that's the biggest skeptic uh, remark I keep hearing when it comes to cryptocurrency, it being decentralized. Um, like, you know, the, the dollar's backed by gold. And I was, you know, people be like, you know, the only thing that's backing, you know, crypto is the demand. But the way I was telling somebody the other day, I feel like demand kind of backs everything that we do. Like, you know, we make more dollars than what we actually have backed up in gold. Uh, and anything that that threatens the the new coming of something new, it scares us. Like, I remember yeah. um, if you was to look at like a, a taxi service now, everybody wants to jump into an Uber, you know, now. But back then, back 10 years ago, people were skeptical of, you know, getting into Uber. But Uber is kind of taking over the game. Redbox, we thought that was here to stay. You know, Amazon Prime and Netflix have showed us that this new wave of something is going to totally take over that. Uh, are there anything that you see upcoming with real estate uh, that that people are, are not quite into yet or, you know, that you've been dabbling in and working with uh, now? Well, when it comes to real estate, I think that right now, like trendy Airbnbs are something that are going to be very popular or that are popular. I think that people starting to realize that they can use space for more creative areas like photography. And there's a lot of money to be made in that space as well. Like you can get a place decorated and use it for something different. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, just for living. People want to use. I mean, I've rented a chateau for a photo shoot. And we're in this space filming a podcast. And so it's yeah. just a matter of looking at things from a lot of different perspectives. You know, um, I think that there's definitely opportunities there. Um, I think that there's obviously still opportunity in the buying market. Um, I have clients that I service on the buying and leasing side as well. But with my work that I have with the fund, I stay pretty busy with that, you know, especially now that we're getting them back up to par to put them on the market and liquidate to enter into the multifamily sector. Okay. Mm -hmm. So working for this, uh, this, 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 this hedge fund, right. You basically, I don't know how many guys you normally work with, but I'm, I'm thinking of this as a collective unity instead of like most, uh, real estate agents who have multiple clients. Exactly. Now, now exactly. when it came to the, the pandemic, you know, that kind of, you know, 
some people did really good in the pandemic. You know, some people end up making finding a way to triple their money. Some people lost a lot of money uh, when you know when it came to real estate, not being able to get in the house. How did that really affect you? As far as the the pandemic going on with, you know, how you stayed in business and, you know, how did you? How That's did you... actually a great question because it's a very prevalent question. Um, it's something that definitely um, affected me because when the fund, when COVID hit, it was the fund just kind of paused. I think that we all, you know, and even real estate in general went for a pause for a good two to three months. It wasn't until the interest rates significantly dropped that everything just kind of went haywire, right? Yeah. As far as like everybody getting out to go buy. So what I did was that I got my license and it put me in a position where I could now service different people because I was no longer being as active with the fund. And so that brings up a great point of, you know, when I talk about um, recently moving into the trading um, you know, sector and, and learning just very recently how to trade gold yeah. And, um, you know, I think that Forex and trading is one of those things where it's a trade that nobody can take away from you and you can do it on an island when you're just chilling. Right. And so I have been very lucky in my life where I kind of make very strategic moves in in what I want to do. And I have a very clear vision for my life from this point on. I have a clear understanding of real estate from the funding, you know, all the way to, you know, uh, the, the fundraising to the the asset management and to port, help people buy portfolios and cap rates and all this stuff. You know, I have a, a good understanding of that, but I also feel like there is an opportunity out there with the shift of wealth that's happening right now in the markets Definitely with cryptocurrency, you know, with, you know, gold that if you don't hop on to get a piece of that, you're really missing out. And so I, am now shifting some of my focus with how I think. And I'm a big believer that, you know, if you can learn how to multiply your money faster, even faster than real estate, which real estate could be potentially quickly and it's a secured asset, but this is an actual, you know, people are actually now loaning and, and doing money transactions with Bitcoin yeah. and all of this stuff. So this is a real money segment over here. So just the way that real estate is a money segment, you know, trading is a money segment as well. And it exists no matter whether you like it or not. If someone's day trading, they're day trading and they're making money. They might make a few losses here and there, but they're making money. So with that being said, it's like, I'm starting to open up my mind for diversification. Like I understand the importance of real estate and I'm very glad that I know about it. But I also know that while we're going through a shift of um, wealth in 2021, that I want to be able to capture multiple avenues of that and not just solely think about real estate because the people that don't realize that what COVID really was, was like a shift of your mind. COVID really separated the hustlers from the people that were just being masked by their regular yes. nine to five jobs. And it is it, totally okay if it took you a minute to figure it out, oh, because yeah, I'm not going to lie. Like it took me a minute to figure out how I was going to reshift. And, you know, I got my license and then I start helping people and I'm like, I love real estate and I, I'm more than happy to help somebody find their dream home, but it is definitely very different than what I'm used to. I'm used to going to like ugly homes and, you know, analyzing like how much is this going to cost and putting it into numbers and looking at, 
you know, charts and this is just a different aspect of what I'm used to. And I'm a, a big believer of if you're going to do it, do it to a large scale. So, like when I sold cars, I sold a lot of cars, right? you know, and when I had to come sell houses, come buy houses, I bought them a lot of houses. And so I want to be able to move at that momentum. And sometimes it takes a minute to step back. Like I could have easily went back to sell cars again. I could have easily yeah. just been like, oh, I'm going to go be a finance manager because that's what's secure. But I know that if I just sit back and analyze what all the people with real money are doing and I just follow suit, like you got to you got to you got to have the type of confidence in yourself that if he could do it, I could do it. So you 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 speaking on confidence. But one thing I, I, I want to just personally ask you, you're a very ambitious woman. You know, you're a person that has a you know, has what they need. But, you know, it's always what else is left on the table. Yes. You know, but a lot of time with success, you know, when we get to telling people our ideas and, you know, what we plan on doing, it can scare a lot of uh, small minded people. It can almost come off as if, if you're bragging about what you plan on doing to a lot of people, you know, with, with closed minds. Uh, how do you when you get a new idea in your head, is there is a certain person that you share this idea with? Do you kind of keep it to yourself until it manifests what you are? Because, you know, it's a lot of times dreams can get killed. Absolutely. By telling it to the wrong person. Absolutely. So how do, you, how do you go about that? I, I think that that's definitely true. However, I am also a big believer that what's meant to be for you is meant to be for you. And I have myself been a serial entrepreneur in the sense that I have started a few projects and gotten to a certain degree with them. And as I dive deeper into the research, because everything is research, right? Like I yeah. need this to I need to log into my Excel and be able to make sense of this, you know, number wise. And I have had projects that I have started that I have not continued because I know the value of my time with my money and I know what I've already made. I know that if I'm looking to make a quarter million dollars, I just need to go get a corporate job again because we know I could do that. Yeah. Right. I know that if I need to bring in, you know, with real estate servicing, whether it's construction, my handyman team, my landscaper, I know that if I need a revenue over half a million dollars with that, I've already done that. So I'm looking for an opportunity where I can do something where it's more money, you know, and more on even more on my time. So I can then take that money and apply it to like real estate assets and developments versus me just being in real estate now and like servicing people. You know, I would say that when you have these great ideas, you need to, you know, one thing that I do is that if I'm convinced, I'm convinced. Yeah. So if I tell you and you don't see it, oh, I'm well. going to try to explain it to you in the in the best form. I think I'm, I'm a pretty good communicator. Like I'm going to I like to explain things where they where they make sense to people. Um, and I have the patience to be able to do that. But there are people that are narrow minded and. You just need to completely stay away from those people because it's your vision for a reason. Like God didn't give it to them. They, he gave it to you, you know, and when you're solid about something because you're already watching how this is multiplying in another market or you're already seeing somebody that's doing it, but they're doing it. And you're like, oh, I don't have to totally reinvent the wheel, but I could do it a little bit better. It's you got to follow those gut instincts and you can't let people talk you out of things. But always keep in mind that. It depends on who you're talking to, because if you're talking to someone who already has is financially free and they're making money in a passive way or they're making money, you know, um, without having to get up and technically go to a job, then I would say that those people's opinions are very valid. OK, um, you dropped a lot of gems today on this this podcast. Uh, let me just ask you uh, one final question uh, before we wrap up everything else. 
if you were to be sitting in front of uh, Angela Vidal 10 years from now, what is there anything that you would share with her? Any, you know, motivational quotes or anything that you've been meaning to tell yourself or where you, you want to go now? Is there anything that you would leave her with? Yeah, I would say that it would be much more important to take action a lot sooner. I think that um, though while my years of selling cars were very lucrative, I think that I became very like addicted to the consistency of the money. And I think that when I started selling cars, the main objective was for me to get in there and figure out I knew I could close deals over the phone because of my previous job. I was closing accounts that were 15 to 80,000 over the phone during a recession. So I knew I could do that. So part of my like life goal was, you know, that you can't be afraid of the phone. You got to be able to make money over the phone. You got to be able to close deals face to face. So it was time for me to enter my next chapter, which was close deals face to face. So what are you going to sell? What's the top two items, like most expensive items, homes and cars. So that's how I got into the car business. And so I would just say that between finance and the car business, I might have been in there a little longer than what I should have. I think that once I knew that I can close deals face to face, I should have probably, um, you know, trusted my instincts and believed in myself more and taken that leap of faith a little earlier. You know, I think that if I would have gotten into real estate a little bit earlier, um, I would be a little bit further ahead in the game. But um, I have a very clear vision of my life and I have a very clear vision right now of what I want. And I'm positioned where I've got the support that I need and the people that I need to be able to make those moves. Because one of the most important things that I'll leave you with, um, with your, you know, curiosity in real estate and wanting, you know, being fascinated about it is that finding mentorship in real estate is very important. Like if somebody lets you follow them around, if somebody is willing to answer your questions, if somebody is ready to put you to be a part of the game, no matter what it is, even if you're not going to blow it out of the park, like, being able to spend time with someone or pick the brain of very successful people in real estate is the most important thing that you'll be able to do. Like mentorship, it's like you go to a real estate school to get your license and, and they, they teach you, they're like, you know, they teach you to look at like land, like, like you're the homeowner and you're going to sell it. And there's a lot of emotion involved in that. And it's great. It is definitely an avenue for you to get started quickly on making money without having to invest any money of yourself. But you also want to always remember that in real estate, there's multiple different ways of making money. Just like there's people in the loan business, there's people that loan out their own private money. Um, and there's a ton of money to be made, too. And it's all real estate related. Okay. Well, Angela, are there any services that, you know, if any uh, investors want to... Uh, uh, dig into if anybody wants to uh, hit you up on your social medias uh, about any, uh, you know, any projects that they have upcoming. Do you have a way for these people to, you know, to to get in contact? Yeah, with definitely. You? you can always reach me at um, on Instagram. My handle is HTX Business Boss. Um, and then my email is info at Houston on the rise dot com. And, um, you know, I can help uh, investors find properties. I can manage the project. I can connect connect them over to whatever services that they may need. And then, um, you know, I can help you buy, sell, or lease your home as well. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. well, thank you. Anyway, I will thank you, Angela Vidal. It's been a pleasure having you on today. Thank you, you for having me. You dropped a lot of gems for me and my listeners. Uh, I wish you the best on your endeavors uh, in thank real you. estate. Sound like you already got a, a eye on the game. <laughs> um, but thank you uh, so much. Uh, for sure. For just giving thank me you for having time. me. All right, anytime. Mm -hmm. All right.
Hey, everybody, if you liked uh, what you saw today, this is the second episode of Pathological Hustler. It is a platform for the doers. If you uh, like, subscribe. We're at Pathological Hustler Pod on Instagram. Also, our Gmail, if you want to be a special guest on there, is pathologicalhustler at gmail.com. Thank you. Peace out.